Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Stace Lind. Dr. Lind is a teacher and lecturer internationally and nationally at dental schools and state dental societies concerning techniques, methods, and materials of composite placement, tooth whitening, and current endodontic concepts for the general practitioner. Dr. Lind has a general practice in Littleton, Colorado. Today, he will be discussing endodontics as a practice builder in the third of three practice building discussions. Hi, this is Stace Lind. I practice in Denver, Colorado. Thanks for joining us again, Dr. Lind. We're happy to have you back. Uh, Today, Dr. Lind is going to share some more practice building tips with us, specifically about endo, which might scare a lot of GPs, uh, but Dr. Lind has found a way to really make it work for his practice. You know, again, uh, coming from dental school and hand filing and then uh, starting a practice and going through uh, three or four different systems and uh, dealing with broken files, I guess broken isn't the correct word. We say separated. separated. (laughs) (laughs) It's not micro-leakage. It's just flat-out leakage. Uh, (laughs) When the file separates, it broke. (laughs) That's... uh, and, and dealing with some of those frustrating things in practice made me dislike endo more and more and, in, in essence, want to stay away from it. And I did endo occasionally, and I, I worked with anterior teeth and bicuspids. And in the area where I'd set up practice, there, there was only a few endodontists. And now there's quite a few, actually, in the area. And so there's plenty of opportunity to take whatever endo we wanted to do it because there's many general dentists that choose not to they think it's too frustrating or maybe too scary too much armamentarium and too much uh, overhead exactly overhead and supplies and and we found by beginning even just in doing the simple endo cases whether anterior and bicuspids with a system which Ultradent calls AET or anatomic endodontic technology using the materials and the chemistry and the and the armamentarium that allows you to spend less save more time and benefit the patient more is, is basically what it comes down to that we found that we increased just in that first year of using the AET almost $100,000 of additional profit to the practice not not just to talk numbers but our practice runs on numbers people lie numbers don't you know endodontics was an area of of great fear and and anxiety at times when you get in there and you're having to go through 20 different materials and files and and everything else and that be able to simplify that and make it very profitable for the practice in the form of understanding the chemistry and understanding the materials. Really, most of dentistry, 80% is is materials, and the other 20% would be uh, artistic touch in, in the operator. You can have a great operator using crummy materials, and you know it would be okay for a time and season, but really to get the best, longest, lasting restoration in any aspect of dentistry is to use the best materials. You can have the best dentist using crummy whitening materials, chair side, with no follow-up trays, and it doesn't make them a bad dentist. The materials will affect the success of that outcome, Mm -hmm. guaranteed. 
Well, in, in the donics, when you turn around and you can use a chemistry like a calcium hydroxide paste that has a pH of 12, great bug killer, and you can place that down in an abscessed area in a patient, and you see patients immediately gain comfort where they struggle for days with a, a creosol or a, a eugenol-based material, it doesn't take long to realize that that material made me a better dentist based on the material because I was able to better care for this patient. Mm -hmm. So materials affect outcome. Within the donics, when you look at most dentists, when, when nickel titanium was developed, it was developed for the purpose of flexibility in curved canals. I find it hilarious how dentists continue to use a material, uh, metal, an alloy, that is flexible, and yet they use it for the, all the straight canals for interior teeth. When, for example, if I, if I was going uh, fishing up in the Canada or uh, Montana, as I, as I will be next week with my family, and, and you go to scale a fish or do anything, I, if, if you have a, two different knives sitting there, you have a stainless steel knife and, and you have a nickel titanium knife, which one will hold a better edge? I'm going to guess the stainless steel. Absolutely. The flexible knife does not carry a, a, a long-lasting edge. It dulls faster. It cuts less efficiently. And so you have to sharpen it more often, if you can, or dispose it more often. And the interesting thing is, is the, the stainless steel knife will cut two, three, four times more efficiently than the flexible knife. Well, it's the same thing inside the tooth. If I have a straight canal and I do not need something that's designed for a high degree of curvature, mm -hmm. I have no use on something that I have to use two or three more of, which occupies more time in the chair, more patient fatigue, holding their mouth open, going through more files, the dentist using more, having to go through more expensive files because mm -hmm. nickel titanium is at least double, triple, or quadruple the cost of a stainless steel file. So one, I've quadrupled my cost. I've tripled, frustrated your patient. Frustrated my patient, tripled my time just in order to clean up the canal enough to, to be able to fill it. And I've typically, you know, in some cases, depending on where we're working, you know, created more trauma to the tooth depending mm -hmm. on ledging or zipping, zipping or, canals mm -hmm. and so forth and uh, blocking ourselves out. And, and, and there's all sorts of different, what I'm talking about now, I didn't really want to get into technical, but just the, the principles of the materials that we're using with the AAT system are significant in comparing the different alloys just in the files. Because with, with three files with the AAT system is similar to literally with any of the systems out going through six seven eight of their files that's decreased time it's helped me clean up the canals more efficiently then i can get the apical little plug that's that's left with a hand file at the end and uh, and have that tooth ready for obturation and have more dentin available to me for restoring the tooth there's one thing talking about endodontically treating a tooth and that's easy to do with any system any endodontist can get there with any system on the market. The question is, is the ethics and the responsibility of being able to do that and just remove the disease material. Because mm -hmm. it's easy to zip out a lot of 
healthy tooth structure to get to that root canal, to get to that apex and have it sealed up. The problem is, is, is on those teeth, I tend to be extracting. When I see teeth that have been over instrumented, uh, instrumented and mm-hmm. treated, I find that those teeth are always the ones that fracture. And, they, and then the patient, after they've bought a root canal, are now in the process of having to buy themselves an implant mm-hmm. or a bridge or a partial or something over something that is less than ideal. The best implant is a natural tooth. And so if I can keep that tooth and all that healthy cement and dentin intact and just remove the diseased material, the, the best way to do that is with the AET technology, using those stainless steel files that cut on the outstroke and be able to negotiate around the diseased material and not have to remove an over amount of natural tooth structure. A lot of dentists get frustrated because they, they like... And it's important to note that many dentists, when they're doing the root canals, like to feel that whole file just sort of engaging the whole way down, thinking that it's just all cutting evenly and all the surfaces of it. And they get perplexed when they turn around and take one of these stainless steel files with the AET system, and And they're just sort of floating in there. And it's like, well, how's this clean it? And they don't realize from numerous studies, and I'm sure I, I can get them to them or Ultradent can, is... Anytime the nickel titanium files are going down the canal, typically only 20 to 30% of that file is ever contacting any of the sides, and most of the tooth remains unaffected by that file. And then you're depending on your chemicals to, quote, instrument for you by getting rid of the, the tooth structure instead of cutting. Right? You're yes. having to irrigate for much longer. Well, that, that's, that's a whole other issue that actually you just touched on that, that's very important too because, one, we want something that we can be loose in the canal to affect, to reach all the sides that we can. But regardless of the system, we still have that issue that chemical treatment of the inside of the tooth is vital mm-hmm. for the success of the endodontic treatment and sealing it up coronally and apically. Being able to use the chemistry, the correct chemistry, inside the canal is huge in, in the standard of care and really helping that patient out. Treating the dead tissues inside the tooth with a sodium hypochlorite prior to ever taking a file down to the apex is vital for affecting that diseased tissue. Because once that file has gone to the apex or the tip of the tooth, and if, it, if any tissue is displaced, because only one thing can occupy the same space mm-hmm. at the same time, if any of that di- displaced tissue goes past that constrictor out into the body, out in the bone, then, then you have a situation that you can never retrieve it. So the chemistry of affecting it first before retrieving it is, is huge in endodontic success, regardless of what system you're using. That's, that's a principle that should always be there that we treat it chemically then we can loosen it up and we can emulsify the materials but by combining something like filies using a edta mm-hmm. and having the surfactants and the materials in there that we can help break down the tissues inside rinsing and irrigating and then using the mechanical means that we have with the files the mm-hmm. stainless steel files in for lack of words 
ripping the tissue away from the walls of the tooth and bringing it out, mm -hmm. but then using the chemistry with either citric acid or the EDTA to literally open up and clean out that debris from the tubules of the tooth, removing the smear layer yeah, very important. Is, is huge for sealing, much less the sealer itself yeah. using the resin. And obviously you always want to, like you said, irrigate appropriately, but I don't think you want to rely on those chemicals to remove the tissue that's in the wings. And I've had doctor after doctor say to me, they just make a round hole, basically, in the middle of the root canal, and yeah, there's tissue in the wings, but if they irrigate for long enough, the tissue in the wings will dissolve away. But it's just so much faster, easier, safer. Just cut it away while you're in there in just a couple seconds if you're using the appropriate instrumentation. Yeah, I, I really think um, having the rely on just opening up a big hole and having the emulsify and break down all the tissues yeah. inside is, is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. uh, there's too much what they call apical percolation, too many veins, if you will, at the, at the tip of the tooth and too, too many areas of anastomosis or connection areas in between the canals that you can never hit with the file that you have to get to those wings because from those wings have, have other, other connection channels. areas mm -hmm. and that's really what you're relying on on your chemistry. You don't want to have to try to get through a millimeter or two of tissue that's in these areas because the natural anatomy of the tooth is either, you know, because the tooth may be flat ribbon shaped or ovoid. Mm -hmm. With those little areas that go north and south or, you know, mesial distal or buccal lingual, depending on the tooth and what, what canal we're talking about, you know, it's, it's interesting. You have to get those side areas of tissue mechanically with a file because you're still relying on millimeters of tissue that can never be touched with any file so true but from a practice from a practice standpoint i i can't imagine practicing without without the the whole aet system and the chemistry as well as the mechanics of what we're doing and removing the the tissue as well as sealing up the canal and using the resins to seal and uh, coronally sealing and apically sealing and, and getting into all the tubules all the other systems, and I've played with a lot of systems on the market, and you and you put them, you soak them in dyes. You can section the teeth, and you just you never have as good a fill as as you do using the AET system. And but f from a practice management standpoint, the time that's decreased in the chair, the profitability that's increased by being able to do more endo in house and refer less and the ability to, to control the conservative nature and how the tooth is restored so that you can restore it with full confidence on the, on the whole coronal portion of the tooth in something that's going to be long, longer lasting for the patient. It's really a service for the patient. It's not about us. We need to get ourselves out of it. If, yeah. if, you, if you think the practice is all about you as a doctor, then uh, try going the next two or three weeks without a patient and We'll sit down and I'll buy you lunch, and you'll need me to. <laughs> That's the reality of it. The patient is the most important person in the practice. And so what we do, the materials we select, and how we act and conduct ourselves should best serve that patient, not about some system that because we like the rep. You know, many dentists select products and based on, you know, how cute the rep is 
you know, coming into their office and, and their friendliness and so forth. And, and it should be about chemistry, not company, and principle, not necessarily a product. And when you get to that point, you'll find yourself in the same shoes I am. You'll be using the AET system. And, and if you haven't used it, you know, any dentist should at least try it because you'll find when, once you do it on four or five extracted teeth, you can't go back. I, I have uh, other systems in my office. I'd be more than happy to mail to some of the guys that won't change. <laughs> well, and for those doctors who would like to try it without investing, you know, any major trade show, Ultradent has a booth with an endo table where we do hands-on, and also there are seminars around the country. You can check our website for the schedule where you can try the AAT system on extracted teeth without investing up front. That's the way to do it. I would never I would never use any system unless I saw how it acted on extracted teeth. And when you start looking at that, the proof is in the pudding. There's nothing that you don't even have to it's it's just it makes it's too much sense. I mean, it is it's what it is. Yeah. Now, for those dentists who have not ventured into endo at all, who refer all endo out, do you have any advice for them? The first thing that I would do is I would, if I was a dentist that was afraid of, not necessarily afraid, but maybe just apprehensive, really not wanting to take the time to get into endo or fearful of any complications and whether I can handle it or not, one, I would build a relationship with your endodontist and one that you can say, you know what, I want to do some things I and I you know and I'm going to send you the things I don't feel comfortable with but if I ever have questions if I ever need to you know send someone over and get in a situation where you know I don't feel good can I do that and, and you build a relationship where at least they know they've got someone watching their back and they can get started on some things the easiest way to get started in endo is to get the Rotano burr kit and get some round burrs and uh Learn how to access teeth if, if you've forgotten since dental school. Access, practice accessing some teeth on, on extracted teeth, accessing the canals, where the canals are, so we don't perf the teeth, because that's one of the most stressful mm-hmm. things for a dentist that's trying to get started in endo, is going out the side of the tooth. So practice on, on the teeth, extracted teeth first, and learn how to just get patients out of pain, if nothing else to relieve the suffering and pain of patients and using a calcium hydroxide paste, using a navy tip, being able to get that material, taking a brooch, a file, and and be able to just put it down in the canal, remove the pulp tissue, get some medicament down in the tooth and get that patient comfortable and seal it up and temporize it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the first place to start with endo is pain management. Now then, once you've seen those canals and you see when you've gone in there for ones that are nice and wide open and straight as an arrow, you can say, you know what, I can do this. And you can. And you sit down and you take uh, one of the little kits, that, one of the little patient kits with uh, uh, endodontic uh, uh, technology, the NOE's uh, kits, and you have a little uh, filees and sodium hypochlorite and irrigate that canal, start that irrigation because the more longer time-wise that that material can soak in that canal and begin irrigating, the better from a chemical standpoint. 
and then begin mechanically removing that material after you've negotiated after you've one determined the length with an x-ray and uh, begin removing the material and start from there and you can get in your first root canal get, what I would do is schedule your root canals at the end of the day on your first ones at the end of the day so that you don't have to feel ever feel rushed or stressed and after you've done a few where it's the last patient of the day so if it takes you a few extra minutes so be it you're learning you're getting through your first ones now how I manage endodontic treatment as far as scheduling in my office I never do a root canal when that patient shows up never I will get them out of pain and I schedule them for production for doing that root canal. I do all my root canals in the morning. I want them first thing in the morning when I'm fresh. When I'm looking mm-hmm. in a mouth that may be able to open a couple inches to you know, a tooth and looking inside the tooth and the little canals, I want to be at my freshest and I don't want my eyes tired and I don't want to be at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I never do root canals at the end of the day. That upsets staff. It stresses out the office. You're trying to do 10 other things. The patient's stressed, you're stressed, and that's the, that's the easiest time to break files and create problems for yourself. If you're doing it for your first time and you're doing a simple canal, do it at a time either right before lunch or right at the end of the day where you can go over and you don't have anything else going on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I'd recommend starting. As far as scheduling for production, too many doctors, a patient shows up in pain and they want to begin and do the root canal right then. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely abusive because it's, and, and they can ask their staffs. So it is one of the most stressful times in the office when a doctor is trying to do an emergency root canal. And in our office, there's no such thing as emergency root canal. There's an emergency. We schedule them for 20 minutes. We open up the tooth. We get the med- medication in there. We get the patient out of pain and in a prescription if we need to. And then we schedule the patient for the appropriate amount of time based on the amount of canals and what tooth I'm doing. And I do that first thing in the morning. So for our initial visit, we charge for uh, pulpal debridement. We charge for emergency treatment and an an x-ray. When they come back, we charge for the root canal. And it's done for measure of profitability. And that gets back into practice management because you have to figure out how much do you need to make to sustain the office for the year? Mm-hmm. And then you figure out how much you're going to be in the office and when you're going to be away and when you're taking vacation. So you figure out how many days you're going to work. You divide that amount by the days that you're working, and now you know what the office daily goal is. Now you figure out how are we going to schedule this to make up the goal. So what is hygiene doing per day and what are, what are we doing per day? Mm-hmm. Then when you figure out what you need to do per day for production, that's what your front desk schedules on a daily basis. And once that amount is put in the books, no more is allowed to be put in the books without your permission. Mm -hmm. You don't want one $15,000 run around chicken with his head off day, and then the next day is a a $1,000, you're stressed out because there's no one to see day. Mm -hmm. That's insanity. What you want is consistent daily scheduling so that each day is nice and consistent. You can be having a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a lemonade with your daughter out on the back porch at 4.30 every day or 5 o'clock. You don't want to be stressed out in the office coming home and bringing that stress home. That leads to all, all sorts of other issues. So you schedule for production. So 
That's why I don't do emergency root canals. I will do emergency therapeutic pulpotomies and medical treatment of that tooth to get the patient comfortable. So then it's put in the book at the next available time for the appropriate amount of time, and we know what dollars are attached to that. So my staff schedules my production from when I show up in the morning to about lunchtime. So when I go to lunch, I know I've made my money for the day. So everything in the afternoon is just fun. I can adjust some splints. I can uh, deliver whitening. I can sit and do new patient exams. I can, I can have time that I'm not having the, I've done all my concentrated high energy work in the morning. I've gotten everything off to the labs if I've needed to. I've done all my detailed composite aesthetic bonding cases uninterrupted. I've done my endo. I've done whatever needed to be at high concentration and high production in the morning, afternoon. I coax down. I've relaxed. My eyes aren't stressed. I can do nice conversational uh, work at the end of the day, relax, and I go home a better person than I do trying to schedule the opposite and just throwing stuff in wherever it is. Just stuffing more into the bag doesn't work. It doesn't work from a practice standpoint at all. Makes perfect sense. Well, thanks so much for all of your tips for our listeners. We hope to have you back again sometime. You hinted at perhaps a composite podcast in the future, so we look forward to that. I have whatever you want, I'll, I'll share with you. That's <laughs> probably more than what everyone wants to hear. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> but uh, a lot of good practice management stuff, too, if, you, if anyone's interested. That's fine. If you're, if your listeners want further advice, do you have an email address you're willing to give? I up? do. The easiest way to contact me is s t a c e l i n d at msn dot com. Great. And that's the easiest direct way to at least the email I check daily. <laughs> we all have six or seven addresses, don't we? <laughs> it's not the truth. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your time. No, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. For a full archive of Ultradent's podcasts, please visit podcast.ultradent.com. If you have ideas or suggestions for an upcoming podcast, please send an email to ultradentnews at ultradent.com. <laughs>